Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And if all goes according to plan, this is the first episode of 2021. So Happy New Year, everybody, and thank you so much for being here and for listening to the show. 2020 was just an awesome year, and there have been just an amazing amount of new listeners to the show, and I am looking forward to continuing it for a long time to come. So lots of piecing it together coming your way. So of course, make sure you are subscribed on your podcast app of choice. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Check out our Patreon, produced by David Rosen. All those things, uh, but you know, most of all, you're here now. You're here with us today. So uh, let, let's talk about a, a movie. Let's talk about a movie that uh, I, I wanted to make sure to get a chance to talk about. I I didn't love this movie. It's called The Midnight Sky. It stars and is directed by George Clooney, and it's out on Netflix. It came out a couple of weeks back already. Uh, but I, I wanted to make sure to do an episode on it because even though I didn't love it. Um, I just thought it would be a good jumping off point for some good puzzle pieces and some good discussion. And joining me is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year, and we had a great conversation about it. I am really happy we got to do this one. So that is coming up now in a second, but uh, also coming up last week, this week, like surrounding this episode is a whole bunch of special end of 2020 content we've got the top 10 of the year which would have just come up at the time that this is uh going going up that came out this past friday and uh we also have a top 10 first time watches of 2020 that's going to be an interesting episode and a top five uh, documentaries of 2020. So a lot of great special episodes coming your way. So just want to make sure you all know about that. Uh, and then of course, we'll be getting on to more regular episodes of piecing it together. But for now, let's get into the midnight sky. All right. Josh Bell is back with us to talk about the new George Clooney movie, the midnight sky. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. I am very much looking forward to our uh, top 10 movies of the year episode we're planning on recording later this week, uh, but we got other movies to squeeze in first, so yeah, here we are talking about The Midnight Sky. I think this movie is not going to be in that top 10 <laughs> list. 
episode <laughs> might might just uh, fall a little below there, uh, but you know we, we'll 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 get our thoughts in on this episode so that way at least we'll have mentioned it in the yes. the, the closing of 2020. Uh, yeah, th- this is this is an interesting movie. I I didn't love it. I've as I've like been putting together my puzzle piece list and stuff like that, and like just kind of reflecting on it, I'm like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that bad. And I'm I'm glad we're gonna be talking about it. I think it's uh it's definitely a movie worth talking about, and there should be some good pieces. But I did want to ask you though uh, up front, um, w- was this a movie? Uh, obviously, we just kind of randomly were like, hey, well, let's do the Midnight Sky. But was this a movie that you were like really like looking forward to when it was coming out? No. Not really. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't a like. Oh, I I can't believe I'd have to see that movie or anything. Uh-huh. But I mean, I think George Clooney as a director is not particularly. I mean, there's some decent movies, but he doesn't have a super great track record. Right. And the other thing is, he doesn't have a, a particularly distinctive style. So mm-hmm. there's nothing like, oh, the new George Clooney movie. I know how that's going to be, and like, I really enjoy what he does. So I'm going to look forward to that. I think he's a good actor, um, and I like sci-fi movies. It was mm-hmm. based on a, a book that got a lot of acclaim, and it looked kind of intriguing to me, but sure. it wasn't at the top of my list of things that I wanted to see. I did, however, go out of my way to see this movie at the drive-in when nice. it was available, um, in part because I was excited um, because the drive-in here hasn't been showing that many Netflix films, even though some of the indoor theaters here have been. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have loved to go see Mank, for example, on a big screen, sure. um, which we could have done if I'd wanted to go to an indoor theater here, but they didn't have it at the drive-in. So I saw that they were playing it and I thought, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go check that out because I didn't want to go see Christmas Chronicles 2 at the drive-in, <laughs> which they played for many weeks. Um, for sure. So I was excited kind of about that and I felt like this was a good movie to see on a big screen. And I almost wonder if my slightly more favorable response to it had to do with getting to see it that way. Right. It's possible. Right. I don't know. So no, it was one of those movies that I think in the, in the long list of what's coming up at the end of the year that is uh, prestigious and being pushed for awards, it, it kind of got lost there, I think. But mm-hmm. once it was once it was out, I thought, you know what, I want to see it. And I, I actually went, I ended up going on the last day before it closed, because I wanted to make sure to see it before it left. And obviously, there wasn't, I don't think it did a huge business. Uh, right. Or I think yeah. like three, three other cars there with me, maybe and, and one of them left halfway through <laughs> the movie. So yeah, it does was, feel was like one on, of those kind of movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 the kind of thing that, like, in the in the in the old times, when you would go to an indie theater and some unsuspecting people would think, "Oh, George Clooney, he's a big, handsome movie star. Let's go see that movie." And then halfway through, they're like, "What is this slow space nonsense?" And then yeah, leave. I so, need a nap. Right. <laughs> I th- I think what you're saying though uh, about George Clooney, the director. Is that absolutely right? And and it sucks. Like I I honestly it, it bugs me because I like him so much as an actor and just as like this personality. You know, I mean, he's one of the one of the few movie stars who like I just feel like I'm rooting for in a way when he does direct a movie when he does try to expand on what he does. And yeah, it's definitely a lot more missed than hit for sure. 
Yeah, and he's obviously dedicated to it. It's not like sometimes there's actors and they direct one movie and you get the impression that they thought like, hey, I'm going to try this out. And then they don't really follow through with it. But this has got to be his sixth or seventh movie as a director. Um, Right. And I'm I'm sure he's planning more. So it seems like he would have at some point developed a particular perspective or style or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have, I mean, this movie doesn't feel like similar to other George Clooney directed no. movies in any way. Not at all. Every one of them seems like, I, I would almost wonder if you go back through them all, uh, if you'd find uh, influence from whoever he had recently worked with, you know, in the previous years. Yeah, I think that's something that's come up a lot. The idea that he works with these big directors because he's a big movie star and they kind of rub off on him and he thinks, oh, you know what? I want to make a movie like the Coen brothers. I want to make a sure. movie like Steven Soderbergh. I want to make a movie like Alfonso Cuaron, not to mm-hmm. you know spoil our, our puzzle pieces here. <laughs> right, right. And And he's George Clooney and he's famous, so he gets money. And he gets his pick of uh, projects. I don't, I don't know how hot this was as a project, but again, it was based on a very acclaimed novel. It was written the screenplay by Mark Smith, who wrote The Revenant, who's certainly a hot screenwriter. I could see this as a project that had like a lot of interest from different directors, but George Clooney's George Clooney, and so he gets it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I can't say I'm going <laughs> to think, wow, what is George Clooney going to direct next? And right. When right, can I yeah. see that? well let's start getting into some of those puzzle pieces uh like you just joked i'm sure some of those previous collaborators will come up in this conversation but uh what do you got for your first piece yeah well and i think also we'll probably have some uh of the a lot of overlap here but uh so my first piece will be one from a previous collaborator and that is alfonso cuaron's gravity Mm -hmm. um which i think is a pretty uh common thing that came up in 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 response to this film of course, another movie set in space where there is a crisis and uh, someone has to figure out how to save themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, in Gravity, Sandra Bullock wants to get home. Um, you know, she wants to get back to Earth as opposed to not. But there's a whole storyline in Gravity about being able to contact someone on the radio and sure. whether she can reach someone. And that's a remote outpost. Um, and there's even, I hadn't thought about this, but. There's like a short film, and I don't recall what it's called, but I think I've seen it, directed by uh, Jonas or Jonas Cuaron, Alfonso Cuaron's son. That's like from the perspective of the radio outpost that huh. is in gravity. And I really should have looked this up, because I, but I just thought of it at the, in this moment. Um, mm. It was released online as kind of a companion piece to gravity. Um, but certainly gravity and the way that Quaron stages these space disasters and where you've got the debris coming at the space station in this movie, you can see Clooney probably spent a lot of time on the set of gravity, just in a harness waiting for something to happen and started thinking, (laughs) what, what can I do? That's like this. Yeah. Well, and I, I think he also thought to himself, you know, it would be cool two of these gravity stories happening at once, one in space and one on earth. And I'll just go back and forth between them. There you go. So certainly that's a, that's an influence. Yeah, definitely. Gravity was on my list as well. Uh, I'll I'll just jump right to one that I think would also be on, on any puzzle piece list for this movie. And that is Christopher Nolan's interstellar. Uh, And that's something that has been, I think it's been very common through a lot of modern sci-fi movies is this drive to like 
you know, get some kind of human connection, emotional thing with, with, with a like a, either a father or daughter in both these cases or uh, some kind of just relationship story in the scope of a big giant sci-fi epic and, uh, and and where that's really the point of it all, not the big sci-fi uh, uh, gigantic thing that's going on. Uh, but also, you know, aside from just that, which is the main point of both of these movies, there's, you know, also the plot with, you know, trying to find a habitable planet out there somewhere, which is also what kind of kicks Interstellar into, into gear with, uh, with humans, you know, destroying the planet and needing to find a new home. So, so there's a lot of parallels there that connect these two movies. Yeah. And I don't think Clooney, he never worked with Christopher Nolan, did he? Not yet. Not yeah. yet. No, but I'm, I'm sure, sure it'll met. happen. I'm sure they've yeah. hung out. Sure. So. <laughs> um, and, 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 uh, and by the way, the, uh, uh, short film connected to gravity, uh, is called a, a word that I'm going to mispronounce is called Aningak. Uh, something okay. like that. It's like an Inuit word. And so it's it's uh, from the perspective of this Inuit fisherman um, trying to uh, to contact Sandra Bullock's character. Seven, For a second seven. there, I thought you were going to say that that was gravity backwards. Um, no, but... <laughs> no that, would, that would have been something. But I assume it's some sort of Inuit word. I don't know what it means. But uh, that is that film. Um that was released in connection with gravity. So interesting. I, I should check that out. Yeah. I think I probably watched it online and then forgot about it, but right. Right. It's there. Well, what do you got for your next piece? So, uh, keeping with the, uh, theme of crisis in space, I am going to go with Apollo 13, the, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Howard film, uh, based on, of course, a true story about astronauts in distress with Tom Hanks and so much of what is great, uh, Apollo 13 first is a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. And so much of what makes Apollo 13 really good is not just the crisis in space, but the way the interaction between the astronauts and the crew on the ground and how they have to work together in order to solve those problems and the back and forth communication. And there's not as much of that. Obviously, in this movie, it takes a really long time for them to actually establish communication. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, you know, that element of of kind of talking across the void and when things are going really wrong to be able to speak to somebody back on the ground or to speak to the people out in space and talk them through things is uh, is important. And and of course, also, I think from that movie, as as you pointed out or you tweeted somebody retweeted somebody, the, the slingshot maneuver, <laughs> right. I think right. is maybe I assume is must be a real thing. Uh, that comes up there and, and always in the in any sci-fi movie when they need to use the gravity of a planet to kind of get momentum to go somewhere. So. It's funny you bring that up because I was just thinking about that. Like to to the point of Apollo 13, I forgot that they did that in that one as well. But uh, that's also Interstellar. They do that. Um, and th- that kind of brings me to like, to me, the biggest problem with this movie is it really just feels like a collection of tropes and things that you've seen in other sci-fi movies just kind of all mashed together. And it's like, you know, some of those things are fine because they're either fun or exciting or, you know, they just work. But it's like when when you're watching a movie and it's just one after another, after another, after another, it starts to kind of get grating, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's okay. You're, you're right that it definitely combines a lot of familiar elements from other sci-fi movies. I'm usually of the opinion that if you do a bunch of familiar things and you do them really well, or you combine a bunch of things that we've seen before, but they fit together in an interesting way, then that's okay. Not every movie has to reinvent storytelling. Um, sure. 
but but yeah, I mean, there are certain points in this movie where you're you're thinking, okay, we've seen this before and we know how it's going to go. And he's not doing something particularly interesting with it. He's just kind right. of playing it out. So, yeah. yes. But the slingshot maneuver is something I'm okay with. Again, because if it was in Apollo 13, it must be real. And so <laughs> if it's if it's like a genuine way, uh, especially since no one has really actually gone that far out in space for real, if it's mm-hmm. actually the way that theoretically you would do that, then that's okay. I mean, to me, then it's like complaining about, oh, they had rockets or something. Like, well, that's right. how you get to space. So, of course, they had rockets. Do you think there are NASA scientists who are just like dying for the opportunity to try it? There, there probably are. And of course, there are probably others, NASA scientists, who would tell us that we're stupid and actually the slingshot is not a good way to get anywhere. Completely but. fake and stupid. and yeah. yeah. But I mean, I've seen it. I'm pretty sure it was in, there was that, this isn't one of my puzzle pieces, but could be that Hillary Swank Netflix series Away, where they mm-hmm. travel to Mars. I'm pretty sure they used it there. And another really bad Netflix series with Katie Sackoff called Another Life that I mm. had to watch a bunch of where they're exploring deep space. I'm pretty sure they use it there at one point too. So it's all over Netflix at least. Sounds like it would make a really good uh, article for you, Josh. Yeah, just, maybe it, so. Just figuring out if that's a real thing. Something. Talk yeah, to some science research on that. <laughs> well, uh, I will go to a, a different puzzle piece, uh, a movie that's been coming up a, a lot lately for me. I, I don't know why. I think it's maybe it's in the air because of the forthcoming sequels that are supposedly going to happen. Uh, but that's James Cameron's Avatar. And uh, this planet, which they specifically say is a moon, but then they end up referring to it as a planet multiple times throughout the movie. Uh, but it's just like this perfect, beautiful, picturesque place that's like, you know, it's just heaven, basically. And, and I mean, how could it be anything but if it's going to be the, uh, you know, the savior place for hu- humankind to continue on? So uh, I, I just thought it was very kind of modeled after the whole Pandora planet from Avatar in a way. Yeah, it's Colorado. That's how Felicity Jones, I think, describes <laughs> right. it at one point. So. Which Colorado is pretty nice. I sure. Like I wouldn't mind living in I used to live in Colorado <laughs> as a kid. I wouldn't. I go nice. back. Um, yeah, and I love how it is a moon. It's one of Jupiter's moons, but they explain away. They're like, oh, we just had never seen it before. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was hidden behind some other moon or something. Sure. Yeah. That's how, that's how things work. Right. Apparently. I'm sure some NASA scientists would definitely tell us that that is not, there's not a bunch of previously (laughs) undiscovered perfect moons of Jupiter. That's not a thing. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> well, what do you got next? Uh, so, well, next I'll go to another director that uh, George Clooney has worked with, and that's Steven Soderbergh and Solaris, which, mm-hmm. of course, starred George Clooney and was Steven Soderbergh's remake of an Andre Tarkovsky movie, which is based on a novel. So it's multiple iterations of it, but specifically the Soderbergh version because it has Clooney in it. Um, And it also has a significant plot element of characters seeing sort of apparitions of their dead or missed loved ones. Mm. Um, And in that movie, it's very clear that the people are not real. It's not really a twist. It's these these astronauts are on a space station orbiting this alien planet. And there's some sort of intelligence or entity on the planet that is attempting to kind of communicate with them by manifesting as their as their loved ones. And and mm-hmm. you always understand that it's this kind of alien manifestation, but it's still difficult for the characters to like reject that when it looks like a real person that they cared about. Um, right. So it's not quite the same, but certainly we have that, you know, it's the big twist in this movie, which is really annoying and hokey and, and just 
jerking the audience around in a in a in an unfair kind of way. Was um, there a moment where you thought that kid was like a real kid? I mean, see, this is me. maybe I felt like when the twist came, I was like, oh, how did I not? figure that out. And I guess, see, this is to me where I was kind of into this movie at first because mm-hmm. I was buying it. Okay. And, and they have a moment at the beginning where everyone else is evacuating the station. And one yeah. woman says, where is my child? And yeah. someone else says, oh, I'm sure they're on the plane already. And so they set up this kind of seed of like, maybe they did leave a kid behind. Yeah, it's and a good so, misdirect for sure. Right. And I was like, okay, it's a sci-fi movie. I'll buy that just like I'll buy anything else in this movie, you know? Um, so yeah, but then certainly when that happened, I was like, oh, of course, like that's so, so obvious (laughs) of what's happening here. Um, but it's, of course, it's a double twist where not only is he talking to a fake person, but it turns out that she's a fake version of a real person who is Felicity Jones, who is his daughter on the Mm -hmm. space station or a twist upon twists. Yeah, exactly. And both of those twists were. Uh, you know what? Honestly, the fake person twist, I could go with more. The sure. twist of Felicity Jones being his daughter and it having that whole interstellar heartstring tugging thing, like mm-hmm. that bothered me more. I don't know how you felt about it. I completely agree with you. Yeah, because like just the 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 vast amount of, of people that 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 his daughter could be and it's it's the one person when there's only like four people left in the universe that, that he's talking to is just ridiculous i mean there's plenty of space madness in movies you can talk to an invisible person or an imaginary person you know that's possible right and it's clear that i mean he's isolated he's sick you know mm-hmm. it doesn't it's 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 certainly within realistic possibility that he's hallucinating but yeah yeah and then and there's also at one point he's going through that list of all the space missions and you know they're all been canceled or lost or whatever and so there were so many people in space yeah and the only one that's still active is the one with his daughter on amazing that's amazing well uh speaking of that uh i'll go on to my next piece uh to to that kind of going crazy in space thing i'm gonna go with duncan jones moon uh, a great movie about uh, that, like isolation and loneliness, and and just the kind of effects it can have on a person who's who's left to uh, stay behind on some kind of a space science experiment. And I mean, you know, he's not in space, but I mean, it might as well be. It feels like a spaceship where he's working and all that. And so, uh, you know, obviously a lot of very different things happen in Moon with the clones and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, you know, just that that feeling of isolation and, and the effects it has on the mind, uh, I think, makes it a really good parallel here. Yeah, that's a great movie. And that movie pulls off a twist that yes. this does not. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. um, I, I also should say, uh, just real quick before moving on, uh, Moon, absolutely incredible score. Uh, this, uh, and I don't want to shit on this movie too much because, I, I like I said, it's not terrible, but... I love Displa's scores, and I think this is one of the worst ones he's done, honestly. Yeah, the score is really bad, and it, it it bothered me more as the movie went on, and especially because in that third act, it leans so hard on the sentimentality and the sappiness of mm-hmm. the whole father-daughter thing and the doomed people on the mission, when it really shifts and the story is more about the people on the spaceship and less about George Clooney on Earth. Sure. And then this, like the score goes along with the movie as a whole. And it's just one more element of like, just gooey sentiment that. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. I agree. Very much is. Well, what do you got next? 
Uh, well, I'm going to go with another space movie about uh, trying to save Earth, which is a movie that I like that I think is underrated. And it's uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine, which involves a crew trying to restart the sun, I think is what it is. And it sounds I really dumb. I believe so. Um, but it's a very intense, well-acted movie. Um, and it gets a lot of that stuff that we have. It was, it was weird. I don't know if it was weird to me and maybe it goes with the sort of like, uh, sentimental tone of this, but everyone on the spaceship in this movie is like really nice to each other and Mm. nobody freaks out and there's not really much conflict and whatever. Um, and sunshine is not that at all. It's very much uh, (laughs) tense and dramatic and lots of dangerous stuff happens and people turn on each other and whatever, but I think it's done really well. And I feel like at the time, at least it was generally not that well reviewed. And I don't know if it's maybe been reassessed as Danny Boyle has gone on to become, uh, you know, a major filmmaker, although he's got a lot, he's very hit and miss, but, um, sure. I haven't seen that movie since it came out, but I remember liking it a lot and putting it on my top 10 list and thinking that it was underrated. So, uh, you know, maybe I should see it again. That's actually a movie that I have never seen. I, I've always wanted to and just never got around to it. Um, but I certainly know, you know, of it. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes sense as a good piece there. And Danny Boyle is uh, pretty hit or miss, but um, I got to check that out. Yeah, I mean, but when Danny Boyle makes a good movie, like... It's good, oh, yeah. you know, Definitely. and Danny Boyle also, I bet, has met George Clooney. So. <laughs> I would say that's probably a pretty <laughs> yeah. good chance. <laughs> well, I will go to another piece. And this is a movie I haven't seen since it came out. And I could be completely uh, misremembering the themes of it and all that. But I was thinking of another George Clooney movie, uh, Jason Reitman's Up in the Air. And the, the idea of... Uh, you know, focusing on the wrong things in life and and not, you know, focusing on the things that are are important, just focusing on work and all that kind of stuff and and uh, being too driven and ignoring the, uh, you know, family and things like that and things that really should be uh, more important to you. And that that ends up, I think, being like the main idea here with this daughter that he's never connected with and now he gets that opportunity to have some kind of closure with uh so it's obviously a much more uh you know spacey sci-fi version of that idea but it does come from the same place yeah i haven't seen that movie since it came out either but um those themes i think are probably handled better there and and really as you say he gets so george clooney augustine something he gets mm-hmm. his chance to to have closure with the daughter because he obviously knows that she's his daughter and who she is, but she right. doesn't know that he's her father. And so yeah. he deprives her of that closure. <laughs> she spent her whole life presumably not knowing who, who her father is. Even before the world ended, she didn't yeah. know. And now she's going to go off and be one of like two humans left in the universe. And she still doesn't know. And even though he could have just told her. That's uh, that's pretty dark. <laughs> right i mean and it's not meant to be dark we're meant to kind of feel gooey at the end where oh this father daughter had their moment of connection at the end of the world but he just leaves her to go off to space colorado without him and and never know yeah well maybe he was a dick and he just wanted her to not have to deal with having a dick for a dad right? i mean he clearly was a dick that was the point yeah. but it was yeah. supposed to be a redemption moment there i think and it didn't work <laughs> it did not work That's great. Oh, man. What do you got next? So, okay, my next puzzle piece is a TV show. It's not one of those Netflix shows, but is instead a uh, post-apocalypse show called Last Man on Earth, 
from Fox, which was a comedy show uh, starring Will Forte as not really the last man on Earth, but one of the few last people following an apocalyptic uh, virus. And one of the long running subplots on that movie or on that show was the fact that Will Forte's character had a brother who was an astronaut on the space station and was up in space when the world ended and needed to find a way to, again, in this case, to return to Earth and mm. eventually did. It played out, the character is played by Jason Sudeikis, who obviously did not have time to appear in many episodes. So he would be in like one or two episodes per season. Uh, or maybe, I think maybe a little more in the later seasons when he finally made it to Earth, spoiler alert. And that was a show that was very, I don't know if you ever watched it. It was very inconsistent. Yeah, um, I, I never did, actually. I, I always wanted to. I, I heard it was great. There were It was great at times, but it seemed like the longer it went on, the more they didn't really know. It was really built, like, despite being a comedy, it was built on having, like, sudden twists at the end of, like, every episode, one of which mm -hmm. was, at, in the early season, the reveal of Jason Sudeikis' character on this space station. And uh, over time, they just really could not sustain that and just got more and more ridiculous, and the characters were really grating and... Uh, I stopped watching it before it ended, but I thought that mm -hmm. was an interesting, I mean, that, that goofy show has a very similar storyline, uh, to what's, to what's done here. And I mean, I could have gone for Jason Sudeikis to be on the, the space station there with, uh, or the spaceship with Felicity Jones. And that, that would have given a little bit of nice, uh, levity to this. That'd be Maybe. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will go to another piece, uh, and you know, obviously Clooney has uh, a whole thing with his buddy Brad Pitt. And so uh, I'm sure that his last big movie, Ad Astra, probably rubbed off on him a little bit in, in the, uh, the making of this. Uh, another, you know, big relationship issues in space, in that case, daddy issues. But, um, you know, it, it's the same thing like I was talking about earlier with uh, th this kind of thing of of taking what seems like a big giant sci-fi epic and and making it really about you know about that relationship or emotion or closure in this case, you know, things like that. And uh, I, I remember back when I did uh, an episode on Ad Astra, I'd say half of the other movies we talked about so far came up as puzzle pieces. So definitely uh, cut from the same cloth. Let's just say. Yeah, and also. Not very good. <laughs> also not very good. Yes. Uh, Poor Brad Pitt and George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. But we're the, I feel like James Gray is another director who probably met George Clooney. And, you know, I think that's probably true. I think, again, you know, all of those guys, Chris Nolan, Danny Boyle, James Gray, I can absolutely, I can see Clooney with like a mood board in his mm -hmm. house with these like director's <laughs> names on them. And he's all just like wanting to make a movie like they do. I got to say, I would love to see a George Clooney starring James Gray movie. I think that would be good. Oh, yeah. See, I just I just am not a James Gray fan at all. But I could totally oh, I like envision that happening. That seems like something that should have already happened. So Yeah, definitely. Old man, Probably. beard Clooney, definitely. Bring Absolutely. It on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what do you got next? Uh, so I'm going to go with a non-space movie. Uh, I think it's the only non-space movie that I managed to put on this nice. list. And it's also a, it's a very bad movie called Adrift with Shailene Woodley. And I was just trying to think of movies about, uh, and this is sort of on the Clooney end of things, you know, in the two two aspects of the story about someone who's stranded 
in the mm -hmm. harsh wilderness and is trying to get back to something. In that movie, which is based on a true story, Shailene Woodley plays this woman who has gone with her, I think it's her fiance or boyfriend, and they've decided to, to do this long ocean voyage on a little boat and it's this romantic thing for them. And then they get hit by a storm and uh, the boat is damaged and they're off course and I think she has no radio and she has to get back to safety. And it's based on a true story. So it's this kind of triumph over adversity thing that this woman did it. She saved herself and mm -hmm. she got back to safety. Um, but in the movie, it appears that her boyfriend or fiance or whatever survives the storm initially, but is injured. And so they spend the whole movie together trying to get to safety and they're talking to each other and she's helping him, you know, he's got his broken leg or whatever it is and he can't do anything. But mm -hmm. in real life, he died. And so the movie adds this like hallucination twist to this real lady's real life Weird. that is not real. <laughs> Like, she didn't really hallucinate the dead guy for her entire sea voyage. And they just throw it in as, and it becomes a big twist. You assume he's alive until you get a twist at the end when you realize that she's alone on the boat. And uh, yeah, it's just bad. And I just have to wonder what this real lady who went through this real experience thought. They made a movie about her life and they inserted a hallucinated dead boyfriend into it. That's incredible. Uh, th that is truly like one of the great, uh, you know, twists gone wrong uh, that i've heard that, that's really freaking great i actually hadn't seen that movie uh it it looks kind of bad and so i just never got around to it but um i almost kind of want to see it now just just for that it's not i mean the thing is is like the twist isn't handled in this sort of like insane way it's presented right, in this very right. like somber way and you're like okay and otherwise it's just this kind of like run-of-the-mill survival yeah. drama it's not the worst thing but it's not good really it's more uh, the fact that they did it at all. Right. And I know like yeah. when the movie came out, I didn't see it got actually a lot of good reviews. And I, if this woman was not on board with what they did to her life story, she kept quiet about it because she did interviews mm -hmm. and stuff talking about her ordeal. And she never complained that they've re-traumatized her by, you know, resurrecting her dead boyfriend or whatever. So it sure. just struck me as very weird. So <laughs> that is hilarious. I love that. Oh, man. Well, I, I'll go with my last piece. Uh, another one that I think has come up in a lot of reviews of this movie, and that's The Martian. Uh, Ridley Scott starring Matt Damon. And uh, it just kind of shows the like the minutia and day-to-day -day of just being stuck alone uh, on a space station. Again, a, a research facility or whatever, but it feels very much like a space station. I keep calling it that. But, uh, you know, it's just stuck in this place alone and going through that whole day-to-day -day lifestyle of living alone on that kind of thing, at least until his uh, hallucinated daughter shows up. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, and one great thing about The Martian is like Apollo 13, so much of what's exciting about that movie is the communication between him and this whole ground crew that's doing everything that they can to rescue him and bring him back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like that aspect, uh, you know, to those kinds of films. Yeah. And, and also like I joked earlier about, it's like, uh, two gravities happening at once. It's like to, to have a way to connect them, you know, it definitely, it definitely helps to like, you know, make it more than just watching this guy die on a, <laughs> on a research facility. Right. Although to be honest, I think I would have liked this movie more if they cut out all of those scenes until you see him communicating with them, or maybe you don't even see it. Maybe you just hear the voice on the radio or something. Yeah. Like that. You're probably right about that. Especially the fixing the, uh, antenna 
antennas on the spacewalk and all that. None of that was necessary. No, it was all just ripped off from Gravity. Um, yeah. <laughs> and others and other sci-fi movies, but very much Gravity. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so do you got any more pieces? I have one more space movie. Um, okay. And this is really mainly, uh, although it does involve like a space crisis eventually, I haven't seen this movie in a really, I saw this movie in the, at a test screening before mm. it came out. And so I haven't seen this movie in like, 25 years or more, but it's uh, Space Cowboys with uh, Clint Eastwood and Tommy Lee Jones and Donald Sutherland and James Garner as these like old former test pilots that are recruited for a space mission because they have to fix a thing that only they know how to fix or something and then stuff goes wrong. And I don't know. I don't remember it being any good, but Mm -hmm. other than other than it being a space crisis movie, the thing that I remember most about this movie is it does something that I had not seen in the movie until watching this Clooney movie, which is there are flashback scenes of these old characters played by Clint Eastwood and Tommy Lee Jones, et cetera, in their days as young pilots. And they're played by younger actors, but their voices are the older actors. And that is hmm. exactly what Clooney does in these flashback scenes with Ethan Peck as young Clooney with Clooney's voice. And it's just, I, I don't, I mean, I know right now we have all this like de-aging technology and so you could make someone look younger. Maybe they didn't have the budget for that. But I feel like if you're not going to do that, just have Ethan Peck talk like Ethan Peck. It's not hard for us to figure out that this is meant to be the younger version of this character. But to me, it was so disconcerting in this movie watching him talk with George Clooney's voice coming out of his mouth. That That uh, is so weird. Yeah. And I, I always remember, I don't, I couldn't remember a single detail. I was telling you before we went on the end, I had to go to Wikipedia to remember any detail at all about that dumb Space Cowboys movie. <laughs> right. But the, the bit with Clint Eastwood's voice and Tommy Lee Jones's voice, and they have very distinctive voices oh, coming out of much. these random younger actors' mouths has stuck with me for all that time. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I, I forgot about that, actually, that that it's Clooney's voice coming out of the, the, the guy. And I, I don't know, like, I did think that that casting was weird of young Clooney. I didn't really think it looked like him. I eventually picked up on, oh, okay, that's supposed to be him younger. But uh, yeah, maybe it was just because they were worried that people wouldn't pick up on it or something. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, and if that's the case, it's just like lazy filmmaking. Like, come on, right. do better, Clooney. Um, right. So I don't know. Yeah, and poor Ethan Peck. I know him mainly because he plays uh, Spock on Star Trek Discovery. And he mm. gets to speak in his own voice, but very much working in the shadow of another actor <laughs> there, too. For sure. For sure. So how long do you think it's going to be before a Space Cowboys reboot with uh, with Brad Pitt and George Clooney? Oh, man. Maybe? I don't know if that movie was at all successful. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. They should definitely, they, no, they should definitely not do that. Maybe but, David Oyelowo or whatever. Yeah. Get him in there too. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you could see it. Clooney definitely leaning into being uh, older now. With yeah. That giant beard. Although I did I see like a pair. I like Clooney. As a, I, know, I like it too. I thought he, uh, you know, he, he rocked that beard and why not, you know? But I guess I was reading about the book and I didn't read the book, but I just read about it. And I guess the character in the book is even older, is like 78 years old. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I had assumed, oh, maybe Clooney wrote this for himself and it was supposed to be someone younger, but um, it's the opposite. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead. <laughs> that, is, that is a weird bit to go out on. But uh, I will <laughs> do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, finished puzzle for. The Midnight Sky includes Gravity, Interstellar, Apollo 13, Avatar, Solaris, Moon, Sunshine, Up in the Air, Last Man on Earth, Ad Astra, Adrift, The Martian, 
and Space Cowboys, and man, did we cover every sci-fi movie from the last so much, 10 years. so much space in this. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Um, did you have any uh, any other thoughts we didn't quite get into? Not really. I mean, I will say again that that I feel like I'm a big defender of this movie only because I didn't hate it, and mm-hmm. and I think it does have an intriguing beginning, and I'm not opposed to what it's trying to do. Um, it just doesn't, I mean, the last, the last third of it or so really just leans so hard on that sentiment that it doesn't work, but I wanted to like it and I was Mm. hoping, and, uh, and I will say that seeing, I mean, obviously like recommending that anybody go see anything on a big screen right now is sort of a problematic thing to do. But if you are somehow able to safely do that, I feel like seeing it on a big screen helped the experience for me. Yeah, I would imagine it would. I mean, it is a good looking movie, you know, even when it's just in these closed in, uh, you know, areas, you know, it still has a lot of, you know, interesting sci-fi visual stuff happening. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's definitely not a bad movie, but it it just has a lot of these, these glaring problems and especially those tropes and things like that, that are just like, oh, that's just like that. That's just like that. Like it goes a step beyond our whole puzzle piece thing here to the point of, oh, I've seen this a million times, you know? Right, right. But I do think if you like that kind of thing, if you're a big sci-fi fan and you don't mind seeing movies that have similar elements that this is in some aspects of it are well done um yeah so i don't know i'm not sure if i want to say i would recommend it but i mean there's so many other things to watch that really <laughs> right <laughs> uh, like if you're sitting at home but everyone's sitting at home so you know if you have netflix like i mean there's something better to watch on netflix i'm sure hey josh speaking of uh, better things to watch have you seen a movie recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I will. Yeah, I wanted to make sure not to overlap because we're about to do this big top 10 movies of the year episode. And I didn't just want to repeat myself, but I'm going to pick a movie that won't quite make my list, but that I did watch fairly recently as a sort of catch up for the year. And I think, Dave, that you watched as well uh, is called Swallow with Haley mm. Bennett, um, which is is really good. I mean, it may not be in my top 10, but I definitely recommend it. She's great in that movie as this this sort of uh disaffected housewife who develops this condition where she swallows uh not edible objects and it's (laughs) sort of this uh manifestation of her suburban ennui and i yeah she's she's really good in it 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 creates a very it's not a horror movie but it creates a very disturbing atmosphere um and I think it kind of, it wraps up, it wraps itself up maybe a little too neatly at the end, but as a character study of this woman, it's, it's quite effective. So I liked it. And I know it's, it's now streaming on Showtime if people have that. And if you, I had heard about it earlier in the year and, you know, got to it eventually. So swallow. Yeah, no, I, I was glad that I finally caught up with that. Cause I know a lot of people in our popcorn and puzzle pieces group talked about it earlier in the year when it came out. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a good recommendation. People should definitely check it out. I agree. So. Josh, uh, why don't you tell people about what's going on with Awesome Movie Year and everything else you're up to? Yeah, Awesome Movie Year, still a thing. It's uh, we've, <laughs> we've been talking about the films of 1984 in our most recent season, so we've got uh, we've got a, quite a few more episodes of that uh, yet to come. And there's tons of big blockbusters in that season, so that's been cool. Hopefully, people are checking that out because there are movies that they're familiar with, and we have more of those to come. And uh, yeah, you can find me. I'm at joshbellhateseverything.com, which I am in the process of writing something on my uh, top 10 movies. So there'll be the content there for the first time in 
eight months or something um, <laughs> more active on social media at Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And if you are here in the local Vegas area, you can watch me on KTNV Channel 13 on Fridays at 11 a.m. Awesome. Well, Josh, as always, thank you so much for being here. And uh, maybe next time we'll do one that we both really liked a lot. I look forward to that. Have you been thinking about a film for quite some time now? Have you got nowhere to turn to to talk about it? Well, the Film for Thought podcast is here for you. Every fortnight, I invite a guest on to talk about any film of her choice. It could be old or new, controversial or classic. If you have some thoughts about films, I want to discuss them. New episodes drop every second Friday, so make sure to come along and check out the Film for Thought podcast. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about The Midnight Sky. Thank you, Josh Bell, for joining me again on that one. Uh, Everybody, make sure to check out Awesome Movie Year. Uh, They are currently... Getting towards the end of their sixth season, this time on the films of 1984, but that is six seasons worth of content. Lots of great podcast episodes on a bunch of other awesome movie years as well. So definitely check that podcast out. And uh, I just wanted to thank everybody again for listening to Piecing It Together. Uh, If you're not already, make sure you're subscribed to wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And you can, of course, rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. I love hearing from people and hearing what you think of the show and all the new listeners we've been getting lately. uh, You know, I I definitely want to know what you think of the show. If you'd maybe like to join me for an episode, I'm always looking for new co-hosts. And, uh, you know, what what you think maybe we could be doing better on the show because I want to keep making it better and... You know, keep making it a great show for everybody. So get in touch and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Don't forget about our Patreon, produced by David Rosen, which combines content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, as well as my music career. Lots of great content on there. I'm going to be posting a bunch of new music-related stuff really soon over there. And uh, as a matter of fact... Uh, I had this Midnight Sky episode up on there for a week before we posted it. So you may be listening to this right now on there before you... uh, uh, Boy, my mind just went into a a weird time loop, like a Nolan movie or something. But uh, yeah, check out the Patreon. So uh, let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And I'm sure I've played this one before, but whenever we do one of these kind of space epic type movies, it makes sense to play. This is a song called The Void for my fourth album, A Different Kind of Dream. There's also a really cool music video for it that I made out of public domain footage and put all kinds of effects together and stuff. And that's available on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash music by David Rosen. But uh, yeah, this is called The Void. Very spacey track, so I think it's a good fit here with the midnight sky. So enjoy The Void. Check out A Different Kind of Dream wherever you listen to music. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.